why a billion for you? What does that mean? What's the relevance of that number for you? For me, it's not about the money per se. It's about the influence and the ability to really, truly disrupt. Welcome to the More Clients, Less Effort podcast, where we provide expert insights and strategies to turbocharge your business growth. I'm your host, Tim Hyde. And in this series, we'll unpack the secrets, proven systems, and the sales and marketing strategies used by successful business owners to attract, convert, and keep A-class clients on autopilot. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to scale your customer acquisition or a budding startup owner looking to crack the code on attracting the right clients, you've come to the right place. Join us on this journey to building a thriving business that leaves a lasting impact. Now let's get started. Guys, thanks again for joining us on another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see how amazing Trisha looks. Now, Trisha Ben is my guest today, and Trisha is the CEO of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network for senior business leaders, and she's also the general manager of the Hero Club, which is also part of the C-Suite Network and much other things. Trisha's mission is to build the C-Suite Network platform, a community content council commerce that accelerates the success of C-Suite executives, owners, and investors on influence as well. Let's not forget influencers. She's also a leader and created an executive community collaboration uh, based on integrity, transparency, and measuring the success above the numbers alone, which is what she calls the hero factor. Now, this approach brings together Trisha's more than 20 years track record of industry disruption in building new businesses, revenue streams, and delivering double-digit year-on-year growth. Now, there's more which we're going to get into as well. Um, you've been the global Chief Marketing Strategy uh, and U.S. Manager Director with MDC Partners, a $3 billion global holding company. You've had an absolute ton of experience in leadership and all sorts of other things. Trisha, it is my absolute tremendous opportunity to interview today, and thanks for joining us. I am so thrilled to be here with you, Tim, and I'm a huge believer that great business is with great people, and also you have to be having great fun. So I'm so looking forward to our conversation. I know it's just, it's funny how like you know when we do these values and I've just done a little values exercise. We were talking about this on mm-hmm. morning, offline as I as I build my team and I, I did a a new onboarding document, a team onboarding document over Christmas. Right? That was the one luxury <laughs> I afforded myself. <laughs> but we're talking about values and 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 what's important to us. Um, I don't think people put fun in that very often, do they? You know, I I. I would be willing to bet that doesn't happen very often, but it's essential. You know, if you're not having fun, that's not business. That's misery. So, you know, my whole take on things is you've got to be figuring out how you're enjoying what you do and how you enjoy it with whom you are doing it with, you know, so, so, uh, or make the change you want to see because life is way too short for that. Yeah, I think that's one of the things about entrepreneurship we kind of lose sight of um, is that if you don't enjoy it, why would you do it? It's, right? it's, I mean, like, like in no other thing that you can do, you get to choose exactly how you work, where you work, when you work, who you work with. And your value statement is the principles by which those decisions get made. It is a really important structure in your organization. So, you know, for C-Suite on the community side of our whole entire ecosystem, I know, Tim, you've heard it a thousand times, right? The four R's, relevancy, reach, reciprocity, respect. Those are critical to ensuring that we have a successful community where I know you'll be able to attest to this. There is very little drama. There is very little nonsense and a lot of really great people driving success and sharing where they've succeeded, where things have not gone according to plan and and were not successful for them, but ultimately also why transparently, you know, so that we could all be learning, growing, building, you know, scaling and also acting with respect with each other, even though we're completely diverse and we have people coming in from all different parts of the world and different industries, obviously different demographics and firmographics and so on. 
Um, those values are absolutely critical to being able to move forward and have everyone on your team, whether you're whether they're an employee or anyone else aligned on your mission, know what the criteria are for making great judgments. When did um, when did business become so serious? I'll just yeah. say that that is really weird sort of flash in my mind of that, uh, you know, that scene with Heath Ledger and Batman. Mm-hmm. So serious. Yeah. We, you know, the thing is, there are so many really serious implications. When you're an entrepreneur, especially, there are really serious implications. You're on the first not to get paid list. That means immediately, not just you, but your family and everyone your family serves is immediately affected. It is serious. Mm. But... If you're not having fun with that journey of delivering on your mission and and seeing that success with the people that you're serving, then then you're in the wrong place and you've got to change that. That's that's a soul killer and that's not acceptable. The other thing is it's not okay just to be boring. Life should not be boring, right? You should be taking on missions, challenging, seeing where your next success can be. I'm I'm a huge believer that if you can affect one person's life, have great impact with one person, that's a life well-led. But if you can do that with one, why not two? And then why not three? Mm-hmm. Let's add zeros. Why not 30? Why not 300, 3,000, 30,000, you know, et cetera. Um, and that doesn't mean killing yourself because if you're scaling like that, obviously you have a lot of people on your mission with you. You can be having a lot of fun with that, you know, and it's certainly not boring. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's an area that I know that our values align really closely, Trisha, and mm-hmm. and again, creating this document to sort of articulate this to some new team members I'm bringing on. It was, well, well, what do we do this for? What's our mission? You know, what are our values and what are our mission, right? And, and uh, so it's very much about the impact and the ripple effect, the the, okay. know, the opportunity that we create for other people to change their world, however big that world is going to be for them, right? It might be just them and their family, create opportunity for them. It might be... You know, for them to change the world and 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 make people better, right? Give them more opportunity than they had before. I love that, and we are very much values aligned. You know, shouldn't it be that when you delivered what you deliver, the person you deliver it to should see success with that delivery? It, that should be a basic, right? <laughs> but it's actually a unique opportunity in our markets today, typically. Where where that is not necessarily the promise uh, delivered. So so when you're delivering success for that person that you're servicing, you know, or you're providing products or service to, that is that ripple effect, and it's pretty darn simple concept. And the fact of the matter is, if that client, partner, whoever it is that you're serving to, community member, if they're succeeding, they have more to give back and more to paying for products and services moving forward it's it's definitely an abundance mindset and I, I, again i love where you're going with the values because i think that's where it all that's that's where the framework is set for everybody to understand yeah i think it's just one of those things right you know business is this series of lessons and successes but it's all about the impact that you can create right we, we largely get into this aid to create freedom for ourselves but through the, you know, and that's through the impact that we have on the people we, that we serve. And we can't lose sight of the fact that we serve other people with our business. Yes. Right? It's just about us. We serve other people. We serve our family. We serve our staff. We serve our clients. We serve our partners. Yes. But it's, it comes from that position of service to others. Here's another thing I find is so interesting is people are so hung up on success and failure. And I love what you said, Tim, about lessons learned. It's a lesson learned. You know, this idea that somehow it's a failure. To me, it is only a failure if you stop and give up. That's a failure, right? I could do it, but I'm just going to give up. You know, if you get information that tells you "Ah, that's not going to work so well the the way that we were thinking, but I got information, I could try this instead. Now you're learning, and as long as you're scaling and adapting that kind of feedback into your modeling, into how you're scaling your business, that is really key to seeing success. And if you can get your team, and again, whether that's a full-time employee, part-timer, 1099, partner, 
client, I mean, a team, we have to think of much wider than we typically do. If we've got information that we know will work or not work, and we've got the courage for them to understand, awesome. It's information, and that's going to help us move forward, move forward, and drop things that aren't working. Now, now you've got a winning team premise. Okay. Well, I've got a question for you here, Trisha, and I know you've worked in some massive businesses, by no stretch of the imagination than these uh, small businesses. In fact, we know that you know, ninety-four percent of businesses never make it past, you know, six figures. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in sort of six, five, six-figure mark. Four percent of businesses make it past a million, right? Zero point four percent make it to you know ten million, and even fewer make it to a billion dollars. What do you think is the difference? I know we've got you know we're all ambitious. Some of us more ambitious than others, and I know. One of your goals yeah. for C-suite network is to definitely get into the the billion dollar club. Um, what do you see the difference in either mindset or tenacity or skill set or something between you know a small and micro business that might be mm-hmm. joining the C-suite network for the first time and someone who's really crushing it and potentially has then the opportunity to create you know a global impact. Yeah. What a great question, Tim. You know, it's funny. I've never been asked that question. Uh, What I would say is I've had the great benefit of, as you said, working for very large enterprise-sized organizations. In fact, the very first organization I worked for was sold for, I think it was $30 million at that point, which, which was, you know, a lot of money at that time. And the founder, who was Angus Reed, he profit shared with every single employee. So we all had buy-in success of that organization and the delivery dates of success over the buyout period of time. So that was a really incredible experience. Was that something that he did after the fact or was that something you going into the sale that you had a, an equity piece on it or did he just go, so, so you helped me get here, here's a piece of pie? Yes. As soon as they negotiated the deal, they let us know what our part would be in it if we delivered on the results over the next period of time. Yes. So it was really phenomenally well done. In fact, I didn't know any other organizations that were doing that at that time. There had been a lot of disastrous acquisitions that were highly publicized. This was in the Canadian market at that point. And so so that brought me into my first billion dollar organization um, and, and, you know, so, so moving from there, I went to, uh, down to Washington, Ottawa, Washington, DC. I went back up to Canada to Rogers, which is over $28 billion organization, enormous communications, wireless, all media. I mean, a very, very large organization. But again, I had the benefit of knowing Ted Rogers and having him be in our, uh, what we called our campus. We had several thousands of people on that campus, and he still came into the cafeteria right up until he passed um, in in our our campus. And that's where his headquarters and office was. So I had that experience, and and that was in Toronto, Canada. And then MDC Partners, which was in Toronto, New York. It was actually on the uh, stock exchange out of New York. Um, but founded by a Canadian who happened to hire me in that CMO and and strategy role, and then as a managing director for one of our businesses out of New York. What I would say in all of those instances is that scaling beyond just the sort of average growth or a lifestyle business or a nice little business to sell off and live comfortably from, you know, in retirement and have little projects and comfort. Um, that exponential scaling was all about people. It was all about having faith, scaling with other people, much more of an abundance mindset and um, and really fueling the, the, the growth with great leaders that were brought in at all levels through that organization under, under that original founder's sort of vision and mission and connection to the... Uh, winning for those leaders. Yeah, we, we were talking about this very briefly off offline, and this is something that um, that Lloyd Thompson shared with me on another podcast episode. Right, and he, he he I hadn't heard it before. He shared the Jeff Bezos pizza rule. Right? Yes. <laughs> 
never command more people. Well, this is my spin on it anyway. Never command more people than you can feed with two pizzas. And mm-hmm. I do think it's one of those things. I actually did an exercise um, late last year. I was, I was planning my 2020, 2024, uh, 2020, 24. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, um, and I, I wrote, you know, under sort of health, business, finance, sex, relationship, you know, home and community sort of things. And the top thing I wrote in my business category, I'm looking over my whiteboard over here, mm. uh, which now says stop being the doer in the bottleneck. Because yeah. we, I think we, as as small business owners, that we get into this position where we feel that we need to be the one who does stuff. And and what you're sharing quite clearly here, Tricia, is that we've got to surround ourselves with good people, right? Yeah. give them the tools they need to succeed, and then get the hell out of their way. It is absolutely critical. You know, Miles Nadell was the founder of MDC Partners with a $100 loan. And I'll tell you what, if you sat in the room with him, so he was the one who brought me on board. You sit in the room with him, and I don't care if you have five minutes or 55 minutes, whatever. Um, when you walk out of the room, you feel like you can fly through the walls. No problem. You know, and and that's a gift. And he has a whole set of rules. You know, when you hire somebody or when you bring people into that inner pizza circle, <laughs> um, you want to make sure these are people that you want to go to dinner with, that, that you could be in a small cabin for a weekend with, that you could be stuck, you know, on a on a tarmac for 24 hours with. You know, he has a whole slew of, of these rules about how you pick your partners and your teammates in in business. And I think that is just so smart. For me, I really hit this point. I, I thought, okay, that's brilliant. And we've got a little book. I got Yeah, that's a that's a nice thing for you to say. You're a three billion dollar billionaire. Yeah, this is great, right? But but it's all in how it applies to you, right? As in your leadership, where you are at the different times in your building. And for me, it really hit me about a year and a half into COVID. We had always said, listen, in the C-suite network, we're values-based. And if you aren't the kind of leader that's going to create real value for the people you serve, if you're just ripping people off, we want nothing to do with you. We don't serve assholes here. That was the rule. No assholes here. And about a year and a half into COVID, after you know, 16, 18-hour days in front of this <laughs> screen, nonstop and my voice lowering because of the damage I did to my vocal cords in that length of time talking and hosting events virtually nonstop I decided that is such a low bar no more I you know I added respect to our principles that was one yeah I also decided and shared with anyone first my business partners obviously in my team and then beyond that I will only work with people closely that I can know, love, trust. And that is what I need to do in order to scale scale, scale to the billion-dollar platform. I told you that's my vision. I'm the one who said that. Uh, my business partner who founded C-Suite Network said, thanks a lot, Trisha. Could you not maybe say $100 million first? You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you just skipped to a billion. I'm like, well, listen, I've had a footprint of billion-dollar companies <laughs> my whole career I, I see this platform as being so much bigger and so in that right spot to fuel the success of owners, of executives, of influencers that understand that the old way that we did things, you know, at best was inefficient in the world we live in, the hybrid world we live in today, and at worst, absolutely unacceptable and unethical. And so this this platform and our entire ecosystem is built to fuel the success of everyone either uh, serving those communities or in those communities. And when you have that delivered efficiently, that's exciting. So to me, yep. you know, that's where that that all fits. Well, I'm, I'm going to throw this little curveball at you because I think this is an important one to ask. I I, I did another um, podcast with my, my my dear friend Sam Riley, right? And we must have recorded five or 600 episodes of her show together. And so it's a few. Uh, and we were talking about the magic million. Right? You know, so many new businesses go, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars. You know, here's my flag. And, you know, you're a little bit ambitious. Maybe you've just slipped a couple of decimal points there. But why a billion for you? What does that mean? 
you know, should C-suite hit a billion dollars? What, what's, what's the relevance of that number for you? What a powerful question, Tim. For me, it's not about the money per se. It's about the influence and the ability to really, truly disrupt. You introduced me as being a disruptor. I've gone through scenarios where people have kindly told me, you know, some people don't think about that word very positively. You know, <laughs> I love it. What's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. When we know there are better ways of doing things smarter, faster, and we can help people actually leapfrog success that's dedicated to seeing that ripple effect that we've talked about, the improvements and and the the ability for people to see success in their lives and and in their lifetime you kind of have to live to get to that success you know i i just see a billion dollar platform as having the kind of influence and importance and um uh like like the the tool set that will help drive that success so that's what i see i see it as being integral to creating real meaningful leapfrogged success, not just, well, I'll plot along and I'll buy this one program and I'll, you know, I'll wait till next month or, you know, maybe in the new year or whatever. If we can be learning, growing across our communities, our content, our council and our commerce, if we can be doing all of that efficiently, you know, oh my goodness, it is massively disruptive, incredibly efficient. And the people who get it are the people we want to serve, right? Yeah. They're like you, Tim, you know this, uh, you know, your abundance <laughs> minds. Why would I do shit I suck at? It just doesn't make any sense, right? I'm going to partner with people who are the same mindset, but have that at excellence and run. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that we find, you find very difficult to articulate when you're talking about your values because it gives you such warm, fuzzy feeling inside, right? It's like, yeah, go, go. I'm so passionate about this. And you can hear it in people's voice when they talk about something yes. that they're, you know, ridiculously, you know, into. It's it's unnerving. And actually, I struggle with this all the time. So for people who are listening, I am a fairly petite, blonde male. <laughs> I've always, <laughs> I don't always have different colors, Harry. I got to disrupt my own every day. Um, but I'm a fairly petite uh, woman. And, um, you know, I want to I, I want to be able to change the world, make a big difference. Um, and I thoroughly 1000 percent believe in great business to drive great business results. But when you talk about the values, when you talk about disruption, the way that we, you and I are talking about it and getting really excited about it, it sounds like you're talking about unicorns and rainbows and all fuzzy, warm things. It is tough. It's no joke. Being a business builder, regardless of whether you're an executive at an enterprise-sized organization or a solopreneur who's just starting out in their business, it is tough. And it's not all rainbows and unicorns and sunshine, right? You've got to be leaning on your community to create real success, meaning, and, and you know, have a bit of a shoulder when you have the tough days and so on. Um, but, you know, this is, this is, this is really great business. So when you work with great people, you create um, more efficiencies in the business model, then you have greater profitability, which allows you to invest back in and scale more effectively. So so it's 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 very much the hard numbers. It's just how you get there. I have a very scientific way that I look at this. There's like where you are now, there's where you want to be, and then there's the icky in the middle. That's a lot of icky. And if you don't have great partners to help you get through that as painlessly and as quickly and as efficiently in your business model as possible, you can't do it. I want to I want to pivot a little bit here because we you know I think what we we talking about so much is is surrounding yourself with the right people, right? Um, and I've said it before. Um, I think one of the sort of endearing lessons I learned from my career in project management was I can't do everything. Right? I've got to right. surround myself with the right people. Give them the tools they need to succeed and get the fuck out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's clearly, you know, uh, fundamental to, to your approach as well, right? I can't be the expert in everything, but I can be the expert in getting the right people to do, be experts at, at their stuff. Yes. What is the, what is the system? I mean, do you have a, a system or an approach that you use, not necessarily to, you know, bring clients on, 
although you know, that's sort of fundamentally part of this show. Um, what's the system that you use to get to the right people around you? Do you have a, do you have a process for that? Yeah, so here's something that I, I found to be quite interesting. You've heard people say, everybody has, um, I'm jealous, right? Like they'll say, I'm jealous you have this, or I'm jealous you're doing that, or you know those kinds of things. This is my own personal system, and then I can talk about the business. But for me personally, when you're the leader, if you aren't truly passionate about the success of the people around you, you can't pull it off. And the chemistry will be all wrong. So you really have to want to see people's success. So one of the things for me that I just, I have so much joy and fun around this is um, is a lesson I learned from an interview I did just like this several years ago. And the interviewer said to me, Trisha, if you could sit and have breakfast with anyone you wanted to, who would you have breakfast with? And I said, and very simply, because I'd just taken over running the Hero Club. So I was meeting all of these CEOs, founders, investors, all pledged, leading with integrity, transparency, giving back to their community, sharing in their success. I mean, this is everything I stand for in business. And I have all these incredible leaders I'm bringing on board and 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 I don't have enough time. So I, I without hesitation, said, I would have breakfast with any of my CEOs in my hero club. And the woman said, oh, um, Trisha, I'm sorry. You might have misunderstood the question. I meant like anybody. Let's say alive or dead, you know. And alive or dead. Yeah, I understood the question and it still stands. And, and here's the reason. And I told her, if I had a thousand lives to lead, I'd lead the lives of the people that I basically know, love, trust. Right. So I live vicariously through that success. And it's so exciting. You have the opportunity. Never before we had so much opportunity to have excellence in everything right at our side. It's incredible. It's extraordinary. Here you are in Australia, Tim, and I have you by my side many Fridays, most Fridays, <laughs> right? Like, how incredible is that? And then in between when we're meeting on different things, like it's just, it is an incredible opportunity. So I would say for me, I get the opportunity to play and run with people at their absolute excellence and fuel that success. So when you're leading your teams, I think about it the exact same way with my team members and I make a game of all of it. You know, like for me, I have someone right now on my team who is scaling and growing like crazy. And I am fueling this like crazy. Now, I have to drive enough business that I can promote her where I need to. <laughs> like so, so I've got a game to play, right? I need more profitability and scaling around these responsibilities so that I can do that before she finds something else because I'm making her worth twice as much. And that's the game for me, right? So how do you create that success and see that success and have that alignment in terms of how that benefits your business? So from a business perspective with C-Suite right now, I'm building out our C-Suite divisions. And Tim, you and I have spoken about this, but it's basically the whole premise of C-Suite Net Worth with our entire platform and our whole ecosystem. It creates efficiency and any business leader's model. So how do I then bring in partners that I can know, love, trust, have the lead that C-Suite property, whatever that might be. So we have C-suite experiential marketing, C-suite marketing technology, C-suite media placement, C-suite business valuations, it's, and so on and so forth. And these are business leaders who've got decades of experience and all of their teams in place that are serving at excellence in the areas that they're delivering in. So I can negotiate with them. I know their values aligned. I know what my members and partners across our entire platform need to be able to succeed with their support. And then we move forward faster together. So so that's how that's how I'm uh, multiplying and certainly scaling very rapidly the entire ecosystem of C-Suite Network and the success our partners and members will see from it. Let me break that down a bit in mm -hmm. more granular detail. Okay, so we're talking at a high level I've partnered with the right people. They've got the right values. I would invite them up to the cabin for 
a weekend or I'll invite them to Thanksgiving or whatever it happens to be. Um, you know, I like these people. I'm going to hang out with them. And I think that's an important, that's a super important thing, right? We have to like the people that we work with. It's not just a case of visibility. And I'm I'm going to challenge the little the BNI thing here. If you're familiar with BNI's, one of BNI's frameworks, they talk visibility, credibility, profitability. I think fundamentally that's actually pretty sound. I'd like to add one key element into that, and that's likability. Yeah. Right. Visible, credible, likable equals profitability. And I think that's a key one. I want to break that down in a little bit more granular detail for an actionable thing that our listeners can take away. Do you have a process by which you qualify partners, onboard partners? You know, what does that look like for you? Is it just a loose kind of thing or is it really driven down to, you know, we do an initial qualification and at 90 days we do an account process? What does that look like in more granular detail? So for me, this is such a critical decision. I cannot afford time being wasted. So it, it's it's way beyond money is time. And so I I am now at a point where I will have someone come into the C-suite network in some way or another. And then that way, I not only get to know them, but I also get to see how they're interacting with others. And um, and and then... I also work with my my potential partners. So there's 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 a testing of what does it look like, what does it feel like, what does it deliver. So I I know more about it than than just oh yeah we have an arrangement and I get a rev share. So so how do I make sure that I'm taking into account whatever those catches are in that industry? So for example, we have C-suite publishing. In the publishing industry, there are all kinds of games and interesting things that happen um, where people are massively overcharged. They don't have the rights to their own IP. There's like a whole slew of things. So how do we streamline that? In C-Suite Network, the publishing solution is very streamlined to get what most business leaders what they need quickly, affordably, and move on to what they really need the book for, which is credibility to sell. A consulting gigs, speaking gigs, you know, those kinds of things. So that way I'm able to work with that leader to tailor it to them. So so it is very much a multi-stage process for me. I am not a I'm not a very uh shiny object kind of person. I'm I am really dedicated to investing in relationships and then figuring out, okay, what are the games that we're helping people or the pitfalls or the potholes that we're helping people avoid so that they can succeed faster and have their money go where it needs to to deliver the success they need. I think that's a really good lesson for, for any partnership that you enter, right? You know, work out, because you can't necessarily tell someone's values from the outside, right? You can't go, what are your values? <laughs> Here's my checklist and here, here's where they, here's yeah, where they line up. You've got to, values are, values are really kind of, I think, uh, demonstrated through action. And so if you're meeting someone for the first time and getting to know them and you're saying, hey, let's see how we can how we can help each other, make it a small thing, right? And yep. see whether they actually see that through, right? Which demonstrates, you know, which demonstrates intent. Then do a slightly bigger thing. Then do a slightly bigger thing. Then see if they kind of cross-refer you or introduce other people. Right? Yep. They what are they bringing to others. the table? Not just what are they taking from it. And I, I really like that process, you know, at a granular level. And you could put that into a checklist if you wanted to say, you know, this is the first thing we do. This is yes. the second thing we do. This is the third thing that we do, right? I and do then only then do we start saying, hey, let's actually see if we can explore maybe a joint venture here. Exactly. And how do you make that happen in a way that you can actually observe those behaviors? I I love that. You know, with interviewing, I'm the same way. I'm interviewing people. Sometimes I'm interviewing people for years. I've got conversations that are sitting out there that when I have the right position and it's the right time for that person, uh, you know, we'll be we'll be set to go. But I, I take a lot of time and I ask scenarios and I listen and, you know, and I also um, set up several different interactions, you know, and not just with me, absolutely with the team. How does somebody act when, you know, they, they think it's somebody that's not associated? Yeah, exactly. You know, how do they treat the receptionist? How do they act when they think there's a client in the room? You know, like, what are those different scenarios? 
You said likability, and I think that's really interesting, Tim. You know, likability is something that, that you have to see people in how, in a social environment of how people react to them and how they're interacting and reacting as well. And I, I would, I would fine tune it to you cannot be likable if you come across as somebody who's going to be jealous of somebody else's success. You know, that when I was saying that earlier, likability is very much about you're not a threat. You're actually a supporter. You know, you're somebody who's going to help me along my way. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot to that word. And I and I I, I think about that a lot because there are people who want to be community leaders where nobody will follow them, you know, and it's not that they're not likable necessarily, but there's something to it. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's so this is intangible, intangible thing. There is an intangible. You have to observe to know what that is for people. Yeah, I think that there's a, there's a bunch of other words that sort of come to mind for me in that. Right, there's certainly a, you know an inherent charisma that that yes. comes in in lead. That you need to cultivate if you want to be a leader. I think you need to in, in cultivate a charisma. But that charisma comes from uh, that charisma comes from you know position of integrity, right, and consistency and humbleness, right, uh, coupled with ambition. Right. Well, but and then to be then you could have people who have incredible charisma, but really genuinely are not there to serve others. You know, so it's yeah. lack it, of selfishness almost. Yeah. yeah. Selflessness yeah. is probably the thing yeah. you kind of look for, you know, and that, know. that sort of plays into that charisma. So people can be very, uh, you know, charismatic. They can be great orators. They can, you know, look amazing, but be very self-centered and have no charisma. Right. Yeah. And so I think there's this mix of kind of these qualities that come into leadership that ultimately means, means people want to follow them and want to be around them. Right? Um, I uh, I wrote one of my goals for the year is to be more interesting. Right? And to be more interesting, I need to be do, do more interesting things. And when I do more interesting things, I'll be more interesting and I'll attract more interesting people. Oh my goodness. You know, when we were speaking offline about, you know, surfing, um, I just think, I mean, I don't know, Tim, I think you're pretty damn interesting as it is, but, but the more we do, certainly the more, uh, the more we're challenged, you know, and I'm a big proponent of that. Do things you stink at for fun, not to be an expert, right? Like, like I'm, I'm a massive believer in build on strength. For goodness sake, if you hate something, don't, don't do it as your job or your responsibility. You find somebody else who loves it. But for the fun piece of things, shaking things up, trying new things, doing things that you're gonna you're gonna have to laugh if you're not an idiot. You know, like you're probably not gonna be a surfing champion of the world. Okay. <laughs> but if you go out and you have fun, awesome. If you go out and you get pretty good at it. Great, you know, but whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You're just going to enjoy it. Absolutely. Well, I went salsa dancing last week, and I'm going surfing next week for the first time. So, oh, surfing next time, next week for the first time. Okay, there we go. Yeah, first time. I've never been surfing before. I'm going next week. Okay. Uh, I went salsa. I did a a salsa lesson for the first time last week. Did you about that? I'm probably good. I just thought it was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, that's awesome. I I both really dance many years but uh because of my figure skating so there we go there we go let's uh we're gonna pivot now i haven't sprung these questions on you in advance right so we're gonna get some interesting answers <laughs> but yeah, i so. i know okay. that you'll be uh i know that you'll be uh very able to answer these questions um what's the biggest challenge that you're facing in c-suite and hero club right now and how are you tackling it oh my goodness so Biggest challenges right now. Probably the biggest challenges that I have is how I continue to keep up with my scaling while creating the profit profitability necessary necessary to do that scaling. So that's my biggest Growth challenge. Growth is expensive, right? Yeah. Exactly. How are you taking exactly. how are you taking that? 
So the way that I'm tackling that is I am diversified. I'm diversified through my um, my strategy and the entire platform. So I've really stratified and clearly delineated the different aspects of the business and um, and and the pillars. So I I walked you through the platform, the ecosystem. I didn't have that framed before two years ago. So that. That framing is there now. Then also how people are engaged in the C-suite. Now I'm working through all of the financials of where I really need to focus. So what is my loss leader to drive uh, engagement within the platform? And then where am I profitable to be able to be investing back in the business? And then and then the big strategic partnerships. And you're going to see some announcements coming out this month that we're very excited about and um, and create tremendous scaling and growth. So that's been my major focus is just getting really clear on where we are sitting, what's my loss leader in terms of engagement. So for example, in C-Suite Network, we have at least three to four times the industry average for our length of membership. And when you look at everything else we're doing and the success we're able to now refer through to our partners, that is exponentially longer again in terms of its potentiality. So it's it's changing and evolving the entire business model. Yeah, that's awesome. What's a commonly held belief about your role as the CEO that you passionately disagree with? I passionately disagree with? Well, uh, we yeah. did have a lot of fun with, with my chief community officer title, so uh, when I was chief community officer and running the business, we had an ongoing conversation internally about when I would be promoted to CEO officially. And that was quite interesting because there were some people who understood the chief community officer and I was running the business of C-Suite Network. And there were others who thought chief community officer was like chief cheerleader of the community. And so um, that made it, you know, so we, we had this ongoing discussion for a couple of years in terms of when I would actually have the announcement made publicly. And then we had the fun of making it public. And suddenly people who, you know, wouldn't schedule meetings with me because I was the chief community officer couldn't wait to get on my schedule. So um, that's probably the biggest one that that uh, that I had. And since then, uh, honestly, the the workflow is tremendous and our scaling makes it exponentially that much more so. So, you know, over the holidays for me, it was a real focus on exactly how I'm using all of my time, all of my standard meetings. And I started, I wiped out everything in my calendar and rebuilt it entirely around what I need to be able to drive success for the business, for my team, for my partners and members. So it it completely uh, reorganize my entire workflow in every day of my life. Yeah, value bomb right there. I think you know, just design your calendar about you. You are what you do. Basically. Yes, and if talk your about calendar it. Calendar doesn't support your outcomes. Then change it. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, have you ever thought about giving up? Have I ever thought about giving up? Giving up. Oh my god. I know I'm missing that DNA molecule. I don't know. I I I really can't imagine giving up. It's just not my thing. So no. <laughs> I, I I like like. I think, but this is like, and we often get these things. I think that you know people sort of face the mm -hmm. the maybe criticism from other people. You know, sometimes it's an external factor. Um, sometimes it's an internal, uh, just not working the way I want it to work. It's not getting to where I want it to get to the fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there is this, I think, in, in entrepreneurs and a lot of entrepreneurs, and if you're surrounding yourselves, as we talked about so, often, so much today, surrounding yourselves with the right people, you kind of almost absorb their grit, right? yeah, but their tenacity to kind of go, this is the direction I'm going. And I know I might have some stumbles along the way, but I'm, you know, that's where I'm going. Yeah. yeah. No, I think I shared with you before, Tim, it's like you can, you can, you can make up any title, right? Your grand poobah, whatever. And if you're an entrepreneur, you really can make up any title you want. But, you know, at DLS, 
is something I'd take over any other title any other day. And that's a determined little shit, you know. And when you when you add to that the fact that you're serving people that are absolutely clearly dedicated and committed to creating a meaningful impact with the success that they have in their business. If that's not inspiring, I don't know what it is. But but I will tell you, it's not that I, you know, when I say I I don't have it in me to give up, I literally, I can't fathom it. Having said that, it doesn't mean that I don't have really rough days, you know, or I'm just like so frustrated something's not working yet or it's not going fast enough or why isn't this profitable yet on this piece and and how do I get this to work or why is this person going in that direction, you know, like all of those kinds of things a thousand percent. I absolutely have those moments just like everybody. And I think it's really, for me, it's about how I make sure I'm taking care of myself. Like, you know, if you're a leader and you're not focused on how you sleep, eat, keep healthy and active and make sure your brain is engaged, like, you know, with what you're doing right now, Tim, trying different things, if you're not doing that, you're not taking care of yourself to be able to pull yourself through those challenging um, moments. And and the other thing I've found, and I don't know if if you've had this as well, but as you get older, there's certain things where you're on a scale of, you know, one to 10. And, and as you go along, you know, all of a sudden everything's eight to 10. And then there's some kind of watershed, right? Some kind of breakthrough. Either you learn to do something better, you get sick somebody close to you dies, you know, like, like, like big things happen. Right. And all of a sudden you go, wait a second, that eight's like a zero. <laughs> Bring the scale back out. That's nothing. I got that, you know, and then gradually you get back here again, you know? And, and so I think when you're taking care of yourself, you're able to spread that out for longer periods of time and identify when you're getting close again. You know, and It's like, maybe I don't want to get sick to have to understand I can yeah. bring it back out you know, to hear. Yeah, absolutely. What's your personal motto? Do you have one? My personal motto, you know, um, a personal motto. What's your personal motto, Tim? I'm not sure that I have a personal motto. I look at lots of, lots of, I think I've got lots of mottos. Actually, just on that last, just on that last thing, I did actually come across someone's business card the other day where, you know, it had all the sort of regular titles like, you know, business development executive or something. (laughs) It also had on the uh, uh, um, employee of the year, you know, in 2023, self-assessed. That's (laughs) self-assessed. I love that. I always, I don't know, you know, in terms of- I think yours is very much DLS, right? Determine little shit. Determine little shit. Um, you know, like, look out, I'm I'm going to get back up again because I'm not delivering for me, you know, I'm delivering for everyone I care about. Um, and and that matters in business, you know, it, it, it and this is where, you know, when people know that you care about their success, more comes, you know, like during the recession, I was at the twenty eight billion dollar company and I built a twenty million dollar practice during the recession. I have the I have the official report, my group was the only one that met their financial targets that year. And it was just because we were so relied upon, we were so trusted by our clients that when the trouble of the recession happened, they spent more with us. We only had maybe a couple of clients that spent less or had to stop because um, because of the financial burden. But, but the rest spent more with us and you scale and grow. Um, yeah. So, you know, if I were to say, I, I said the DLS. The other thing I would say is I'm not precious. Don't be precious. For God's sake, if you fail at something, so what? You fall. You know, uh, it's. I grew up on a farm, so I always say, look, there are only three states of being on a farm. There's useful, there's dead, and there's useful dead. That's it. There's only three states of being. So just be useful. You don't have to be perfect. There's no requirement for perfection. There's only, I mean, you could be perfectly you. I love the Judy Garland quote, you know, why be a second rate somebody else when you could be a first rate you? Uh, love that, love that, love that. Um, but but you need to be useful. Drive success in a meaningful way. And now you're useful. That's all that matters. And enjoy the ride people you have with you. Coming back to the beginning of our theme. <laughs> yeah, I really love it. I've heard one of the, one of the sort of personal mottos and, and one of many probably I've 
I've sort of had. I'd love to for someone to write on my tombstone, presuming I have one. Um, uh, is you know relentlessly resourceful. Yeah, yeah. All right, and that, it comes back to that: is just be useful, right? Just be helpful or useful to somebody else. I love that because, and I love it more and more all the time. I mean, it's how I grew up on a farm. You don't get to say, "Oh, I'm this," so I don't have to come out and help pay. You know, like no. I don't care if you're old or young, you know, you're, I, I don't care if you like to wear pink or blue, what your body parts are, nothing matters that you're useful because the hay has to come in or the oats need to go in or the horses need to come in, whatever it is, you know, the, 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 that takes precedent, just being useful. Yeah, absolutely. Trisha, you've dropped so many value bombs today and, you know, I love hanging out with you because just the conversation could go on forever. We will have to do it over wine sometime when I'm out in the US or you're out in Australia, uh, or coffee or gins or whiskeys or whatever it happens to be. It'll be great. Um, but you know, just the just the the idea of just constantly shifting that lens and breaking through notions of what is required to succeed, looking at things in a different different way than you know what you expect. You know, and it is that difference, right? If we if we set the goal at a billion dollars, then maybe we'll get to a hundred hundred million. Um, you know, and who knows? Maybe we'll get to maybe we'll get to you know to ten billion. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's there's nothing there's nothing stopping us if we surround ourselves with the right people and be the person that attracts others. Yes. Yes. You know, we just we it just attracts success. Um, I really appreciate you jumping on the call today and and sharing your story and and some of your passion. Um, it's clearly evident, guys. If you'd like to learn more about the C-Suite Network and and hang with Trisha and, and me on a Friday and many other days, um, you can also join the C-Suite Network as an executive leader, um, surround yourself with some other amazing people uh, in that community over at c-suitenetwork.com uh, forward slash join dash today, um, or just go to c-suitenetwork.com, follow the links to the join today, find out more about what the C-Suite Network are doing across all those uh, those pillars. They're doing some really, really amazing stuff and uh, you should definitely go and check it out. Trisha, thanks again for joining us and sharing some of your story and your passion. Appreciate you Thank coming you. on the episode. Thank you so much, Tim. Guys, uh, that's it. That's a wrap for today. Um, thanks again for joining us on another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. We hope to see you on another episode real soon. Take care. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Join us next time for another insightful discussion filled with actionable advice and inspiring stories, all geared towards helping you grow and scale your business simply and easily. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.